0: Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannert, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become confident and poised presenters and speakers. This is podcast number 82. And on this episode, I'm going to share with you a few of my favorite short presentation anecdotes, I guess is the best thing to call them. You can, you can call them anecdotes or stories or parables. They're those those um, stories that you can add in right at the end of a presentation or sometimes even at the beginning to really make your audience think differently about the concepts that you just covered with them. And it's one of the things that really, really good speakers are are kind of a master at. The the neat thing about these uh these um anecdotes though, is that you can practice these over and over and over again. This is one of those things that you can kind of memorize or actually get a really good delivery for, and it can it can make a speaking career. So so I'll share with you some of the ones that I use in, in my classes and in my training programs and that kind of thing. You don't necessarily have to use these, but you can use them as examples to kind of show you how you can get ones of your own. So the podcast is brought to you by Fearless Presentations. So by the way, thanks to listeners just like you, we've, we've had a dramatic increase in the number of, people, um, uh, people that are coming through our fearless presentations classes over the last year or so. So the, the we limit the class to about 10, per, 10 people per class. And, uh, mostly a lot of these classes now are, are kind of filling up. Now, one of the things that we, we know is that in the summertime months, the number of people that kind of come through the classes will diminish a little bit. So if you've had trouble getting to one of, into one of our classes, if you've tried to go to a specific city and there was a waiting list or something like that, this is a good time to check out the schedule because some of those classes that typically fill up very quickly will will most likely not fill up as fast anyway. They'll probably still be full, but they're not going to fill up as fast. So, so uh, if you're interested in attending any one of our classes, go to fearlesspresentations.com. Check out the schedule. Um, I'm looking at the schedule here in front of me. It looks like we've got classes coming up in Phoenix, Chicago, Seattle, Miami, Indianapolis, Charlotte, San Antonio, Houston, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, Philadelphia, Columbus, and New York. Those are the ones that are coming up in the next few months. If I didn't call your city, just go to fearlesspresentations.com to access the full schedule. We've got classes in about 30, 40 different cities around the world going pretty consistently. Um so if you're interested in it, you know make sure and run to the to the website and check those out. All right. So let's get on with today's podcast. So the thing that I wanted to cover on today's podcast are anecdotes or those those short stories that you can insert into your speeches that kind of make people think differently. And these these stories you know by the way the the, the stories anecdotes um uh, parables is is kind of another name that that folks can sometimes use to describe these things. But they can sometimes they can actually be fictitious, you know. They they can be kind of made up stories that make a point, as long as you're not trying to play them off as being real stories, right? And most of the time, they're it's pretty obvious that this is it's it's an anecdote when you tell it. But it still has has great longevity when you do this. So when you deliver them really well, though, th- these things can have a really lasting impact. I, I often use short anecdotes for speeches when I'm doing training or if I'm, t- I'm trying to teach something to the audience that that um that that I want to kind of stick with them, then a lot of times I'll use these. I also use them a lot when I'm doing motivational speeches because they're they're just so versatile. There's th- different ways that you can kinda of use these. The anecdotes themselves are often, you know, they're entertaining, sometimes they're funny, but when you use the story to relay a greater message, they have a a, a real magic quality about them. So The important part of the process, though, is to spend some time at the end tying the incident back to the main point of your presentation. So just telling a funny story or just telling a meaningful story doesn't really do anything unless you can kind of tie it back into the concept that you're that you're trying to get across to your audience. Um, I give you a good example of this. My daughter graduated from high school last weekend. And it kind of brought this to, to the front of my mind because, I mean, obviously, I use these anecdotes all the time in my presentations. But the, the guy who got up and did the, the uh, keynote address the, at the commencement ceremony, ceremony, he was masterful at using the anecdote, a single anecdote, as a way to teach the, the kids one last final thing before they, before they uh, go off into the real world. Uh, the, the, by the way, this guy, the the uh, the person who was given the keynote was a pastor in our local area, and he used a really well known <laughs> anecdote uh, from the Bible. He basically told the story about how uh, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and the way basically the way they explained it to the kids was that he told the story in great detail, and it was it, it was a a fantastic kind of dramatization of of what's in the Bible. But as he was telling it, he kind of made the point that a lot of times people think of a baptism for Christians anyway, they think of a baptism as being kind of the end. That's the that's the end point. And what this pastor was saying was that, no, that's the commencement. It was the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he and he kind of used that throughout the the rest of his keynote speech. I think he spoke for probably 12, 15 minutes, something like that, which was, by the way, perfect for, for that type of presentation. But he just he was able to kind of weave that story into the the teaching that he was doing and so I thought it might be a good idea to cover some of the some of my favorite anecdotes or my favorite presentation stories that I, that I kind of use and see if you might be able to use them as well um anyway so I, the the I, I'll, I'll kind of just lay them out in the way that I typically tell these to a, to a, a an audience and then after I kind of tell the anecdote I'll, I'll give you a little brief summary of how I tie this into to my content and how you might be able to use the same thing to tie into your content. content. Um, so the very first one that I use is it's often called the parable of the pebbles. That's what if you're looking for it on the internet, you'll likely find it if you just type in the parable of the pebbles. I I have my own kind of name for it. And in fact, um, I've been telling this this anecdote for probably 10, 15, 20 years. And over the years, I've kind of elaborated on the, on the story a little bit. So mine's going to be a little bit different than probably what you'll see if you find it on the internet. By the way, if you want to see any of these, if you want to kind of read through these and and alter them and kind of make them your own, you can go to the show notes. Go to fearlesspresentations.com and just type in short anecdotes for speeches into the search bar. You'll, you'll find it fairly quickly. So the way that I tell the story, though, is a merchant in, in Alexandria had a trade route across the desert. And basically what he would do is he would travel from village to village selling trade goods off the back of his camel. On one trip, though, he got caught in a massive sandstorm and he lost his way. And, the, of course, the sand covered up the trail and, and and he started to run out of water. So he was getting a little desperate. And about the time that he was on the verge of giving up, he saw miles ahead of him, way off in the distance, what looked like an oasis. So he moved as fast as he possibly could to to get to the oasis and 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 just about the time the sun set over the horizon he felt a cool water a cool stream of water going over his going over his sandal and he dropped down to his knees and he began cupping water in his mouth with his palm the, the that whole time that he's that he's lapping up the water in his mouth, he's thanking God that he survived because he really, really thought that he wasn't going to make it through this. And then out of the darkness, he hears this big booming voice from heaven that says, merchant, reach down, pick up some pebbles and put them in your pocket. And in the morning, you will be both glad and sad. Well, when a big booming voice from heaven tells you to do something, you tend to, to do it. So he reached down into the stream and he picked up a few of those pebbles Put him, uh, put him in his in his trouser pocket, and packed up his camel, and then trucked off across the desert as fast as he could. When he felt like he was far away from the voice that he was safe, he made camp and laying underneath the stars that night. He kind of realized that he had been pretty dehydrated, and and eventually he convinced himself that the voice was just his imagination running wild. Next morning, though, when he woke up, he he felt something in his trouser pocket, and he reached in. To discard the pebbles, but when he pulled them out of his pocket, he looked at them more closely in the light of day, and he was amazed. These weren't just ordinary pebbles. They were precious gems, diamonds, emeralds, sapphires, rubies. And at that moment, he realized that the voice was absolutely right when he said that the merchant would be both glad and sad. The merchant was really glad that he reached out out and picked up a few pebbles he's also pretty sad he didn't reach down and pick up a few more while he was there. So a lot of times I'll kind of use that parable as an analogy to training sessions. And and I'll use that as my close, especially in the two day fearless presentations class or one of my other training programs. The reason why is because a lot of times when people come through a fearless presentations class or, or any other training seminar for that matter, they've kind of got it set in their head what they want what they what they're expecting from the program, what they think the program is going to be. And most of the time when we leave a training session, we we kind of we we kind of leave full to the brim a lot of times. But but it's it's we're full of things that we were expecting we were going to get. In reality, I kind of find that if you go through training programs over and over again, you actually get even more value because the the second and third time that you you go through that content, you actually you get more out of it. And that's and it's basically we're kind of like that that merchant, you know, when we go through a training program, you know, with our expectations, and especially if we got to go through with a poor attitude, saying I don't want to be here. anyway, we kind of even if we do that, we're going to walk out of that training room at the end of the day or two days or however long it is feeling, you know, happy that we were there, happy that we developed some skills, but probably a little sad, though, that we didn't spend more more of an effort or spend more time kind of developing those skills while we were there. And so that's one of the things I try to get across to our, our audiences. And the reason why, by the way, I tell that story at the end of the Fearless Presentations class is because one of the great values that we give our, our um, graduates, the folks who actually attend one of the two-day public speaking class, is we let them come back through the presentation class again, if they want to in the future for free, as long as there's a, as long as there's space available in the class, as long as as there was a seat available, we we let them come back for free. And so it's a it's a fantastic value, and we encourage people to come back over and over and over again because when they come back through the class a second time and a third time, they're at a totally different level. So that story is a good way to to reinforce that or that anecdote, and it takes a little bit of practice, but. If you if you practice it a few times, you can kind of make it make it your own. You'll put in your own details and make it even more fun. Um, the second anecdote that that I kind of like is, um, and I it's funny because I I first used this. it was probably when I was in high school. I I think it was, it was very early on, uh, but I use it in my training programs a lot as well. And a lot of times I'll use it with a really specific visual aid, which will make sense when I, when I kind of tell it to you, but it's called rocks in a, in a jar. And it's, it's, it's basically, it's a, it's an analogy for time management. So, and the story basically goes that a consultant was hired to help a team of high achieving executives develop more work-life balance and basically what he did to to reinforce this was he brought in a 1 gallon glass jar it's kind of like i and i'm from the south and so we used to i remember when i was a kid my my mom and dad used or my mom anyway used to make sun tea she would put this big glass pitcher out on the porch with with tea bags and water in it and and the sun would actually brew tea it was it's that kind of it's that clunk, kind of big mason jar type glass and, and basically what he did was without saying anything to the group, he starts to fill this glass jar with a bunch of large stones. You know, they're like boulder types. I mean, the big, huge stones, they can only fit, you know, four or five of these things in there, but it, it fills it to the top. And after he kind of puts the rock, the, these stones in, he kind of turns the group and he asks them if the jar is full. And of course, most everybody in the room kind of agrees that the jar is full. And, and however, as the moment that he gets the agreement from, from the group, he pulls out a bag of smaller pebbles and these pebbles are kind of like the ones that you'll see in the bottom of a fish tank, you know, those colored pebbles or, or, you know, the smaller ones that you, that you see in a fish tank. And what he does is he does is he takes out one this bag of of the smaller pebbles and he pours it into the top of the jar. And of course he shakes the, the jar a little bit and all those, those little tiny smaller pebbles anyway, kind of fall into the spaces around the, the, the big rocks. And so he, and then so this time he kind of turns to the group one more time and he says, "So is the jar full now?" And the group is typically going to be a little bit more resistant to answering that question because they just answered the question the first time and, and they were wrong. So, um, so um, the the um, the basically what he will do at that point is you, you just. The, the a lot of times they'll just kind of wait to see whatever he's going to pull out next, right? And so, so um, the the consultant pulls out a bag of sand and he takes that sand and pours it into the top, right? And then and the sand kind of falls in amongst the the cracks and the in the, pe- in the in the pebbles and everything. So anyway, so so you do so basically if you're if you actually have a visual aid, you can actually tell this story as you're kind of doing it. It's, it's, it's a really fun visual to, to use. But at that point, then the consultant looks at the, the group and he says, well, now is the jar full. And you know, at, in the story that I heard anyway is that there's a young lady sitting on the front row, high achiever. And she kind of looks at him and says, no, of course it's not full because you can still get water in it. Not to disappoint her. He goes and pulls out a bottle of water. and pours the water into the, the top of the jar as well. And then, and then at that point he just kind of stops. And, um, and he, and he turns to the crowd and he says, so, you know, what's the point of the of the of, of this illustration anyway? And the same woman who says you can pour the water in there, she kind of raises her hand. She says, I think I, says, I get it. You know, you're, you're trying to show that that no matter how full your schedule is, you can always squeeze in something more. And he kind of laughs and he says, that's not exactly what my point is. He said he said that. The only reason why I was was able to get the big stones in in the first place is because I put them in first. So if we try to put in stones like that now, after the small pebbles, after the sand, after the water is put in, it's not going to fit. And so we use that as an analogy to a, a schedule saying that, you know, the folks will want to Focus on the things that are most important in their life, because if they, if they're if they don't, those little things are going to fill in all the spaces. So, the cool thing about that is that you can practice this over and over again. You can you can you can kind of tell it a lot of different ways. You can tell it with a visual aid without a visual aid, but it's a really neat way of getting people to think differently about what's important in their life. Most likely, at least I know when I've kind of used this, especially with a visual aid. I know a lot of times folks kind of walk out of my my training programs, especially my leadership programs, kind of thinking differently about the time that they spend with their family and stuff like that. So it's a it's a really visual kind of way to to use a parable in your in your presentation. So the third one that I like to use, and this is one that I don't use as often, but it, it has a very specific point. It's called the obstacle obstacle in our paths parable. And basically the the story goes that a a wise king had a boulder placed in the middle of the main road leading in and out of the kingdom. And for most of the day, busy merchants and wealthy nobles, you know, although greatly irritated that the stone was in the way, basically just kind of made their way around the obstacles. But many of them kind of cursed the king for not having the boulder moved not having this thing removed finally a vegetable farmer with a small cart seeing that the boulder was a great obstacle for his fellow merchants with wagons he decided to to lend some help to them and and so he 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 puts his cart to the side of the road and he starts pushing on this obstacle and eventually he's able to to clear the boulder from the roadway but the whole time that he's pushing on this Folks are looking on, they're, they're, you know, every once in a while, folks will kind of pretend like they're going to help, but just kind of keep going on their way. And most of the time, they're just kind of going out. They see they see that because their time is so limited, they just kind of let him let him do it, you know, because it's a lot of hard work. Um, it, it, when the vegetable farmer, though, goes back to retrieve his cart, he noticed that there's a money bag where the boulder had been. And inside that that money bag is a dozen golden coins along with a note from the king thanking him. So, and and by the way, that's a, it's a really good, it's an interesting story, but it's a good way to kind of reinforce the hardships that people are going to face, you know, and how, you know, those obstacles that are in our path, it can be, it can be used to show how every obstacle that's in our path is an opportunity for reward. And, you know, most of the people who see those obstacles in their past in their paths they 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 see it as a as a hindrance and so they end up going the the opposite way so it's a great way to it's a it's a really neat story that you can use to to kind of reinforce you know the the hard work ethic and things like that that if you're going to use that kind of type of thing in your in your presentations uh, we'll do one more. So one more is what I call the ripple effect. And and if you've ever wondered what the term ripple effect actually means, most likely, I mean, that's a really common phrase in, in today's world, especially in economics and some other industries. But the ripple effect basically just means that there are often unintended consequences to any action that we take. And the, the anecdote that I'm going to kind of relate to you is most likely where that phrase came from. It's one of those things that the, the anecdote was used over and over again. And as a result, it's been shortened now to, to just a common phrase. So, so basically, the, um, the anecdote or the, the story kind of goes like this. So a troubled monk goes to his abbot for guidance. And after listening intently intent, to this monk, the abbot asked the monks to join him on a walk. So the they the, uh, eventually they arrive at a pond near the back of the monastery, and the abbot asks the monk to pick up a stone and toss it into the center of the pond. And of course the monk complies, and, and the abbot says, Now, as the ripples come closer to the shore, stick your fingers in the water to try to stop them. And the monk, a little confused, tries to do what the abbot asked him to do. He sticks his finger in the water and that action just creates more ripples. So the confused monk kind of looks at his mentor and he says, Abbot, I can't. My action just calls more ripples. And the monk smiles and he says, so you cannot stop the ripples. (laughs) And the, the monk looks back at him and says, well, correct. He said, but you could have stopped yourself from tossing the stone into the pond in the first place. And so, and you can kind of leave it right there. I mean, if you, if you kind of end that, that story at that point, you can also elaborate if you like, but if you kind of end the, at that point you, and with the, with a dramatic pause and get people to kind of think about it, it you, you can kind of see that there are cause and effect. And I, I'll tell you how I use this one. This is one that I use a lot in our, in our fearless presentations classes, especially because a lot of times folks will come through our, our two day classes Trying to fix a symptom. <laughs> so, for instance, let's say like one of the first things that folks will ask us to do is they say, "Oh, I say um oh, too much, or I don't make eye contact as much as what I want to, or um, I just get those butterflies in my stomach." You know, those kind of things. Those are those are all symptoms of nervousness. And if and if we're doing things to try to fix the symptom. It's kind of like trying to stop the ripples. You know, the nervousness is what that that's the nervousness is for in the analogy anyway, is the stone. And that's what's causing ripples. And so we're sticking our fingers in the water trying to stop the the ripples, but all we're doing is just creating more ripples. And in fact, that's what happens to people when they try to to fix symptoms of public speaking fear. whatever you reinforce, you get more of. So if they go to a speaking club or something like that and they're counting ums and you're trying, they're trying to get you to reduce the ums, all that's going to do most often is just make you more nervous where you say more ums, right? So it's, it's causing more ripples. The, the fix for it though, is to, is to fix the, the problem, not the symptoms of the problem. So if you, if we help you reduce that public speaking fear, then the ripples go away altogether, and so that's one of the things that we kind of teach in our in our classes. And you can, I mean, you can you can use these parables, you can use these anecdotes, these stories in a lot of different ways. And by the way, don't. Don't just try to go out and rehash the ones that I'm kind of telling you here. You know, sometimes since they're on a podcast, you might listen to it over and over and over again and get to the point where you can really relate that particular thing. The thing is, is that anything that that gets replicated in the speaking world over and over and over again just becomes a cliche. And then you're just going to be like everybody else. The best way to, to kind of come up with anecdotes of your own are to kind of think about analogies that you use in your presentation anyway, and come up with a story or a parable that you can use to relay that analogy. You know, so like for instance, if if um, some of these uh, parables that you've just heard on the on the podcast have been things that have been around, you know, the ripple thing. It's I mean, gosh, that's probably been around for dozens and dozens and dozens of years, maybe a hundred years. Who knows? That that but. The story's never been told the way I tell it because I made that up, right? It's something that I I kind of created to reinforce the point that I was trying to make in the in in my fearless presentations class. So even though you might find versions of that out on the on the web somewhere, it's most likely going to be a little different. And that's where that's what you want to do with your presentations as well. Put your own story into it. Put your own. Uh, your own attitude into it, put your own experiences into, into these concepts and it'll make your presentation much more fun. And if you want help in doing this, basically just come to one of our two-day fearless presentations classes. It's, it's one of the things that we kind of focus on a lot, especially the analogies and things like that, that that we help people create in their presentations. So you can get one of our professional speaking coaches to help you create this kind of stuff on the fly. And and it makes it a whole lot more fun that way. So thanks a lot for attending the Fearless Presentations podcast. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.